I am very glad to be here. I very much enjoy coming to this church and seeing people that I know and meeting people that I didn't know before. Um, I do see some students here today who uh, some of them knew I was going to be here and some did not. It's always probably a little unnerving to uh, go home for the weekend and all of a sudden your uh, teacher is talking to you again at church. So, hi. Uh, We'll get that over with. I also see, obviously, some friends who I see whenever I'm here, which is always wonderful. So nice to see you guys. Um, We are having a great year at HBA, um, in part due to the generosity of your church um, in in a lot of ways, and uh, especially that you are lending us your youth pastor for a couple class periods a day. And I didn't know if you all knew that, and I don't know how you feel about that, but we really appreciate it. So I want to say thank you for that. He's teaching our junior Bible, two sections, and um, is, is doing fantastic. So I just want to say thank you from, from us to, to your church. Um, oh, also, I don't want to miss this opportunity to, uh, to introduce you to, uh, to my wife and to uh, our new baby, Savannah. I was going to bring pictures. But she's here, so, so there she is, this is Savannah. She was born on June 28, and also uh, Jamie's brother and his wife and their baby um, are here for the weekend, so we have a very different household right now than, uh, than we used to have, which is great. Um, before, but enough about me, enough about us. Right now, I need a volunteer to come... Join me. A volunteer. Anybody. Young or old. First person up here. C- come on up. If you want to be the volunteer, come on up. Yes, sir. All right. I don't know how far I can go with this. So come on, come on up here. All right, sir. What is your name? Ben. Ben. Ben what? Stealthbox. Nice to meet you, Ben Stealthbox. I-, I have a feeling you're related to uh, a-, a sister named Rachel. Is that true? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we might be seeing you in a few years. Good. All right. Yeah. Nod and shake your head. Mm, not sure. Um, all, all I really need you to do is answer two questions besides the ones you've already answered. Uh, one is, why did you come up here? I wanted to. Okay. I'm going to have to ask more questions now. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I do. Now, here's, my, here's the really now about the fifth question. Why don't you think... Everybody else didn't run up here. I don't know. Well, okay, look at all these people. Are they, they're nice people, right? I don't know most of them, but I'm assuming they're nice people. You know, they're smiling at us, so that's nice. They look comfortable, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. And what do you think they're thinking about right now? No. Neither do I, you know, and, and that's, that, that's the reality. Um, would it have been a problem if everybody ran up here? Yes. Why? Because you only asked for one. Okay. That's true. That's true. I didn't plan that very well, did I? All right. That's good. That's good. Um, if... It, Okay, last question. Sorry. This is like like my sixth, second question. What is the, looking back on your long life, what is the most memorable excuse you have ever given for not doing something that you were told to do? Think of all the excuses that you've made in your life. 
which one pops out that you would like to share in church? I can't really think of any. You've probably never made any excuses. Maybe. Should we ask your parents? No? (laughs) You're like, no? Okay. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining me. That was very enlightening. And I, uh, I've made a lot of excuses for not doing things that I suppose I should have done. Uh, some I look back on and say, well, those are ridiculous excuses. And some I say, no, that was a legitimate excuse. For instance, if I was you right now sitting in the pew, I would not have come up. Because, is he serious? Well, probably, probably one of the kids will go up there. You know, that's legit. And it was true, you know. We did have, you know, a, a young gentleman join me up here. Um, you know, I'm in the balcony. I can't run up there. I'm not going to be the first one up there anyway. And I don't want to be stuck halfway and somebody else is there. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just go back, right? Um, this isn't normal. We don't do this. You know, the speaker speaks. I mean, and I know Pastor Katana is very animated and all that. So I'm not saying that he normally just stands here. But I, I, don't, I don't come here very often, but he probably doesn't ask for volunteers just to join him up here very often. I mean, I don't normally see that where I go to church. Um, and so we have lots of reasons not to do things. But I think we need to uh, evaluate um, those excuses. And we need to evaluate ourselves. Um, and, and today we're going to do that by looking at two different people. And seeing if there is something we can learn from these two people that are very famous people. Uh, The first is going to be Moses. So if you would like to turn with me in the Bible, Exodus 3 is where we're going to start. Exodus 3, and we are going to look at some really interesting excuses. So I'll give you a minute to turn to Exodus 3, and we're going to be on verse... 11 and continuing on, just kind of actually skipping down through the rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4 of Exodus. Let me give you a little background. Hi, sorry, I'm ignoring you up here. Um, Moses has had a long time out. I don't know how many parents you, you use, utilize the time out with your children, um, but he's had a nice long one. 40 years he's been a shepherd. It's not the most thrilling job, probably. There would be dangers. Um, It would probably be relatively stressful, but at the same time, you have a lot of free time to do nothing, to sit there and think. And so God has just spent 40 years instructing Moses in a lot of things that he didn't catch on to while he was in Egypt for 40 years. And so this this shepherd, who's now 80... um, is herding sheep and he sees the burning bush, you know the story, and he realizes once the voice starts speaking to him that this is God. And so God tells him, Moses, I have good news and bad news. Okay, Moses, I'm just going to tell you one piece of news and you can decide whether it's good or bad. I've chosen you to go back to Egypt and free all the people. So go. (laughs) Okay. 
Let's look at what Moses says. Because it would be the same response, a similar response, I should say, to when I'm standing up here and saying, okay, everybody, come on up here. And everybody's like, huh? Am I dreaming? Really? No, he wouldn't be talking to me. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look at his five excuses. First excuses in verse 11 of chapter 3 of Exodus. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, that's, a, that's an excuse that we all use. Me? Who am I? I don't know anything. I don't... Me? Are you serious? I, I just ran away. Well, okay, maybe not just ran away, but I did, and they're want, you know, I'm wanted for murder. Me? And what I want us to notice is every time Moses has an excuse, God has an answer. And God's response is, I will be with you. <laughs> he doesn't address Moses' excuse. He, you know, he could have said, well, yeah, that's true. You know, you are pretty weak and you made some really bad choices in your life. But yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't even address Mo- Moses. Um, well, Moses, don't worry about who you are. It's not about you. I'll be with you. And Moses says, okay, well, and he goes on to verse 13. Okay, let's say I do go. All right. Let's hypothetically speaking say that I do go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Oh, what am I supposed to say? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. (laughs) Now, I just want to clarify, it doesn't make any more sense in Hebrew, okay? I am is still not a name in Hebrew. It's, I mean, it, it became a name, obviously. This is the name that, that is referred to, you know, is used for God. But it's not like this is actually, you know, Joe or Jim or Steve or Wendy or any, you know, it, it's not a name. And God's saying, you know what, again, again, you're worrying about the little things, you know, tell them that the, uh, the being, who is the essence of existence, I think they'll catch on. I think, I think they'll get it. Moses, okay, okay, good answer. Okay. Um, but I have more excuses. And, and it skips all the way down to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses says, okay, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, uh, the Lord didn't appear to you. God, I, they don't have to believe me. I mean, who am I? And I'm just showing up and saying, okay, guys, let's go. God says it's time to go. What if they don't believe me? And, you know, I just, God is obviously very patient, very loving, but I do think he's starting to, 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 to draw a line here saying, okay, Moses, this is not right. This is not what the reaction that you're supposed to be giving me. And he says, okay, what is the staff in your hand? And he gives him a miracle. Put your hand in your cloak. He gives him another miracle. If they don't believe you, use those signs. Those are miraculous things. That should, that should convince them. And Moses says, okay, that's neat. That's great. Um, you just, aren't you getting frustrated with Moses too? I mean, every time I read this, I'm like, Moses, come on. You know, and fourth excuse. Verse 10 of chapter 4. Lord, Lord, I've never been eloquent 
neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Okay. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I'm, I'm really not a public speaker. And there really isn't any more public than before Pharaoh. I'm really sorry. I don't think this is going to work out. And God says, who made your mouth? I made it. What are you talking about? What You're not a good speaker. Are you insulting me? Saying I didn't give you a good enough mouth? Didn't give you good enough words? Moses, I'll, I'll tell you what to say. This is not the problem. <laughs> and so Moses breaks down and his last excuse is, please send someone else. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he just, that's it. That's his last excuse. God has answered everything with a very logical answer. Giving promises, giving signs, giving, giving assurance. And Moses says, I just don't want to do it. Do we ever get to that point where God says, you know what? I've done so much for you. I have prepared you. I mean, Moses had some great education. He, he learned from his own mother in a miraculous circum- series of circumstances for 12 years. He goes to the courts of Pharaoh, is given... a a different education, a fine education in many respects, maybe not obviously on the religious front. And he's a prepared leader. And now he's had this long time out where, okay, so he knows how to lead people. Now he knows how to lead animals. And ironically, the people he's going to be leading are going to be a lot like animals. And and now God says, okay, time, time, time. The alarm clock, it's going off. Let's go. And Moses is like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I want to compare that, this reaction to another person. It's a much shorter story, the interaction between he and God. Uh, Genesis 11, well, Genesis 12, it goes into 12. Uh, Genesis 12 We'll start on verse 1. And really, this is going to be a very short little conversation. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. He doesn't give him a name, doesn't give him directions, doesn't give him a place, doesn't give him a reason. He just says, Okay. Go. And, and then he gives him a, a promise, obviously. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, etc., etc. You'll have a great big family, and it, it, it's going to be great. And that's, it, and that's all the conversation. And so verse 4 says, So Abram left. Obviously not end of story, because we know what happens. He leaves, and he goes and starts a whole new race. And a whole new culture and, and, and generation of people um, that do change the history of the world. But it doesn't have any excuses. Let's keep in mind a couple things about Abram. Um, there were no such thing as Israelites yet, per se. There were, um, there were a group of people known as the Chaldeans where Abram's family lived. This was a place of many gods. It was a very prosperous, you know, ba- Babylon came from this, uh, this society. This is Babylon society. And, I mean, it was very wealthy. It was very powerful. It was very, um, just, it was just, it was a nice place to live where he was. Um, and somehow, in the middle of this culture that he grows up with, with a lot of gods and a lot of distractions, 
somehow God, one God, out of, out of many, according to their culture and what he would have grown up learning, obviously he had learned something in reading between the lines, but he hears this one God that says, leave. You've got to get away from this. And I'm not even going to tell you where to go yet. I'll give you directions once you start going. And he does it. And sometimes we look at decisions like that and say, oh, that was foolish. Did he weigh the options? Is he really going to disrupt his family like that and change everything? I mean, it's not like, in, in today's society, we have families spread out because of the way transportation works, the way communication works. It's not unusual for, you know, my, for instance, my parents live in Michigan. I have a sister in North Carolina, another sister. Sorry, I don't have any more sisters. Don't tell my brother I said that. I have a brother that lives in Texas. Another brother that lives in Florida. We're all over the place. We talk. We email pictures. We communicate. This is not the way it was for Abram. Families were together. You didn't get on a plane and travel thousands of miles in an afternoon. You just didn't. And so God coming to Abraham is a really big deal. He's saying, I'm going to change your whole life right now. And you're just going to leave. And why? Because I'm asking you to. And it's going to be great. And he does it. So we look at these two people. We, we know who Moses and Abraham are. We know what happens, the, the, the end result of, of their stories. And it turns out great for both of them. It's a very rocky road for both of them. And... Sorry, I was distracted by my rocky road that happens to me and my favorite ice cream. Okay, it is lunchtime, so I will, I will get to the point here. Okay, we have our Moses and Abraham. Which one are we? Are we going to be full of excuses? Which we all have, some legitimate, some not. Or are we going to be full of experiences? This was the difference for Abraham and Moses initially. By the end, they both had experiences. They both had good and bad experiences. But it's because Moses got over his excuses and went. I mean, just imagine if Moses wouldn't have gone. What would we be reading about right now? What, what would history have been like if he hadn't have done that? Would God have raised up another person? Possibly. You know, probably. But there's no way to know. I mean, it didn't happen. Moses did choose to go. Who are we? And so, you know, you're sitting there. Some of you know me, most of you don't. And you're sitting there going, okay, what, what is he getting at? And, and he, here's the deal. God calls us to do big things and small things every day. You know, he tells me to do very specific things. He tells you to do specific things, and it's all different. You know, maybe God's telling me to be at home more. Maybe he's telling me to, you know, to do something specific about work. Maybe he wants me to go tell somebody something. Or maybe he wants me to stop talking and to listen to somebody, you know, uh, a student that walks in to, to my office or isn't walking into my office and, and, but still needs to say something. He tells us these things all the time. And, we ha- and I have excuses. I'm busy. That's not what I had planned for today. I, I need to be doing this other thing. Well, if I do that, this isn't going to get done. Well, then what's, what's going to happen? Because that's just going to be a mess. I, I don't know. So you, you're sitting there, I hope, sitting there uh, thinking about, 
is God calling me to do something today? Is he telling me, giving me very specific instructions? And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's things such as talking about your faith more at work. But what we say, you know, that's just really, that's just, you don't know my work. That's not going to, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be beneficial. I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not allowed to really do that. Maybe it'll just alienate me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God's saying to you like he does me very often, go home. Go home. You work too much. You know, your, your family is, is wondering where you are and they need you right now. I don't know. And, and, and we have excuses saying, but I have to work. I have to earn money. It's no good just to be at home if I don't have anything to bring home for them. If we don't have a home that I'm providing for them. And that's legitimate, obviously. We, we have to do these things. But, you know, if God's calling us to do it, he'll find some solution for us. Maybe he's saying, send your child to an Adventist school. I don't know. And I'm not just here. I'm, I'm not here at all to, to be plugging Adventist education just because. But I do think that God calls people to send their children, which is why people are in our schools. Amen. And we have a place that can, that can be safe for them, that can be positive, that can help them grow. We have a growing school here. Amen. You know, and some of you may be sitting there knowing of friends or maybe yourselves. We all have legitimate excuses. It's very expensive. I'm not going to deny that. Adventist education is very expensive. Education period is expensive. But when we have to pay every dime out of our own pocket, we just feel how expensive it really is. It's legitimate. So, you know, maybe we don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to send. And that's true. But again, if God is calling for that to happen, he will provide for that. Maybe he's just asking you and I to have more personal time with him. He's saying, you know what? You really do work a lot. Let's just sit down and talk for a little bit. In fact, why don't you just sit there and not talk? Why don't you just sit there and listen for a little bit? I have some things to tell you. You know, Moses had 40 years of sitting there with sheep. We don't have that luxury, really. You know, that really isn't a luxury, but in some ways it is. Our jobs are generally much more (laughs) crazy, much crazier. We're running around a lot. And sometimes I think God is saying, you know what? Hello, I'm talking to you. Listen to me. You know, you're going to have to plan me into your schedule because that's kind of how you're being right now. I wish you would just naturally do it. I mean, this is, this is what I have to do. I have to deal with, with myself all the time is it has to be a plan. Otherwise, I, you know, I'm, I, life is very scheduled for us. When Moses comes to the end of his life, he had excuses. And now he's chosen to follow God. God has done amazing things. The people that he cared so much about, that he has fought so hard for, are standing on the edge of the promised land. He's made a huge mistake, and God said, you're not going to get to go in. Imagine just how devastated Moses is. Everything he's worked for feels like it's falling apart. And I just want to share a... uh, kind of a perspective from patriarchs and prophets about what's happening for Moses in his mind at this point. As Moses reviewed the results of his labors, his life of trial and sacrifice, sacrifice seemed to have been almost in vain. 
did I, did I actually do anything here? I'm, I'm such a, I, I messed up so bad. Did I just ruin it all? Yet he did not regret the burdens he had borne. He knew that his mission and work were of God's own appointing. When first called to become the leader of Israel from bondage, he shrank from the responsibility. He gave excuses. But since he had taken up the work, he had not cast aside the burden. Even when the Lord had proposed to release him, there was a point where God says, you know what, fine, we can be done with this. I know it's so frustrating, it's frustrating for me too. How about we'll just destroy them all? Obviously, I think he was just trying to prove a point to Moses, but he, that's, he says that. Okay, Moses, you don't, you don't, don't, don't even worry about it. You've done a great job. Let's just get rid of them. And Moses, he, he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Even when the Lord had proposed to release him and destroy rebellious Israel, Moses could not consent. Now he's fighting for these people. Though his trials had been great, he had enjoyed special tokens of God's favor. He had obtained a rich experience during the sojourn in the wilderness, in witnessing the manifestations of God's power and glory, and in the communication of his love. He felt that he had made a wise decision. I think this is something that we don't understand for a long time in our lives about the decisions we make. We don't know whether they're wise or not, maybe for 40 years. He felt that he had made a wise decision in choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Skipping a few pages. In consequence of sin, Moses had come under the power of Satan, as we all do. In his own merits, he was death's lawful captive. But he was raised to immortal life. If you don't know the story, go check this out in Patriarchs and Prophets. It's a very unique situation that Moses got to experience. A a unique, the, the first time Jesus, or God, Jesus, we won't deal with that, that's same, ever brought life back. Amazing, okay? Um, In his own merits, he was death's lawful captive. He was raised to immortal life, holding his title in the name of the Redeemer. Moses came forth from the tomb glorified and ascended with his deliverer to the city of God. Even Abraham didn't get that. In Hebrews, it it specifically states, as we heard in the scripture, by faith Abraham, when he was called, he went in with, with hope of something that he never received. But he had the same hope of the, of the thing, of, this, of the reality that Moses got to experience. And my question to you and for myself is, what better experience are we waiting for? The, these people are in, have the hope of heaven. And God is rewarding them. And I'm not talking about worrying about our salvation and works and, and that, that's a whole discussion for another day. I'm talking about are we going to have excuses or experiences? We sit here making excuses, but in turn miss out on all of the things God hasn't planned for us. And so when it comes to, you know, tomorrow, this afternoon, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, Can it be said of us, we made excuses? Or could it be said of us that by faith, we went out and we answered the call of God? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we we don't really sometimes know what you're calling us to do. And we need an understanding right now of, 
of the little things and the big things that will change our lives. And we want to have the experiences that you have stored up for us. And we are thinking even right now of all the reasons why it's just not going to work. And God, when you call us, you will provide. And we, we want that faith that Abraham had and that Moses had to learn the hard way. And God, some of us in here are, are like one or the other or both of them at some points. And this morning we want to, we want to pray that you change us. We want to ask for motivation. And, and God, it's all because we're looking forward to a, to a better day. To a day that you haven't, have stored up for us and that we know you're excited about too. And God, help us to have that hope and that faith. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.